Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Kylie Camps and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking, and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 60. That kind of feels somewhat like a milestone. 60 is kind of a big deal. Ignore my voice. I'm just recording the intro with this voice that is failing me. It's not hurting, it's just failing me. Although I did just send a voice message to a girlfriend and she said, your voice sounds really sexy. So part of me kind of wishes I had this husky Demi Moore voice happening for this episode, but sorry to disappoint, I recorded this episode a couple of days ago, actually a week, maybe two weeks ago. Who knows? I'm a mum, it's just one big long day. But the episode, I really, really, really enjoyed recording. My chat with today's guests was one of the most enjoyable chats I think that I've had because I feel like this is a really, really important topic for women to explore. And so today's guest is Lauren White. Lauren is a sexologist and she assures us that is a real thing. She is an author, she works with women one-on-one, she works with them online, she's a mum, she's a wife and she is definitely on a mission to empower women to want to want sex and I love that. I love that she is so dedicated to having big conversations and important conversations and doing the work with women to really tap into their desire and their libido and to get curious because as she explains, it really is all connected. And the more that we can get to know ourselves intimately, the more that we can unpack so many other areas of our life as well. So I will not put you through any more of listening to my voice and let's get stuck into episode 60. Lauren White is a sexologist, coach, author, mum and much more. She is doing some seriously important work for women in a space that I don't think we speak enough about. 
And I have to say, I really, really love listening to her. I can seriously get lost in her content because she communicates in a way that I just really enjoy listening to. She's direct and you cannot listen to Lauren without noticing how authentic, passionate and just how mission driven she is to empower women to become curious about their desire, their libido and improving all facets of life really because as Lauren will explain to you, intimacy and sex really are life. So Lauren, thank you for making space in your day for this chat. Thanks Carly, no problem. It was, yeah, it was a, it's a pleasure. <laughs> Yay. So speaking of pleasure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Segway. Yeah, br- brilliant. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to refrain from like, you know, all of these puns that are likely to come up. But anyway, the job title sexologist is one of those ones that you just don't hear every day. And it sounds pretty fun to me, but to kick off, can you unpack exactly what a sexologist entails and how you came to be one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I love this story. So uh, my story is that I was a clinical nurse for many years and I worked in mental health and drug and alcohol. So I've always been drawn to the more taboo topics in health and wellness. And so in doing that work, I reached a point, I was, I'd been working in a methadone clinic for probably about five years at that point. And I was turning about to turn 28 and I just had this massive Saturn return, if anyone's ever heard of that. It's just this energetic time in your life where it's almost everything you've come to know just completely shifts and you do a 180. And um, yeah, in, and in, in doing that initiation into that next chapter of my life, I questioned my work and what I, what I wanted it to be. So I went on the hunt for learning something because I love study I love learning love study and I went on the hunt for something that was going to complement my pre-existing skill set I didn't want to do something completely removed from what I already knew and the first thing I googled was um, gender and sexuality courses and um, not long after it took me to Curtin University's sexology program which I'd never heard of before in my life I was like what is sexology? I need to know what this is. And immediately just knew, just had that feeling, this is what I need to study. It was just, if I, you know, it was the simplest web page, but it immediately was just like, yes, yes. That, it spoke to that, you. Yeah, it spoke to me straight away. I was like, sexology sounds wonderful. And um, and I, I signed up and I was really lucky. That was the first year that they were accepting people who lived outside of Perth. Before that, you had to physically reside in Perth to do it so I was very lucky the timing was beautiful and yeah completely aced the course loved it came out with an award for academic achievements I'm a total sex geek and (laughs) um yeah and and um through doing the graduate diploma you are entitled to call yourself a sexologist who is someone who um has studied um human sexuality in depth and yeah, it's a great, it's a great title. It's a real thing. I promise everyone, it's a real thing. It's I a real thing. That title up. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know that you work one-on-one with women using your sexology qualifications, and I imagine you also receive lots of questions from women all over the world now that we have social media and people can access you. And whilst we're all different and we all have our own unique lives going on, 
one thing for sure is that we all share some commonalities. So what are some of the most universal reasons that women are reaching out to you? Yeah, uh, disconnection. Uh, women are reaching out to me because they feel really disconnected and removed from what is erotic, what is sexual, what is sensual even. Um, it's usually usually when they're reaching out, there's, there's more than issues just that it, it goes beyond the bedroom is what I'm trying to say. It, it's, it's seeping into her daily life. She feels disconnected from femininity. She uses the words, I have no libido. I have, I have, and when women say I have no libido, usually what they're referring to is they don't think about sex. They aren't interested in sex when it's offered. They might still go ahead with sex, but when it happens, they're not feeling very present. They're not feeling a whole lot of sensation. And there can be blocks to orgasming or feeling orgasmic sensation. So it's really the common thread is disconnection. Disconnection from themselves, disconnection from their partners, disconnection from what could be perceived as erotic or sexual in the world and feeling feeling like they're alone in that. Like I, I think I think every woman that's going through through that feels like they are the only ones going through it, especially when there's a lot of over sexuality out there, um, you know, which is a completely different brand of sexuality, but it can make them feel even more isolated and like they don't belong. And, and when we get to that point of feeling like, oh, I'm not normal and I don't belong, then um, unfortunately it kind of perpetuates that sense of, of no libido because, um, yeah, because we cut ourselves off from other sensation and pleasure and beauty. And I just want so many women to know that you tending to your libido is you looking after your, you know, your creative outlets. It's you noticing something beautiful. It's you dancing on your own. It's you holding someone really close. It's you being okay with a song that's a little bit saucy or a scene on a show that might, you know, get a little bit heated. It's, it's, it's not just your libido and your sex life isn't just what happens in the bedroom. It's much it's much bigger than that and that's really liberating because you can still count those things that I mentioned as helping your libido and boosting your libido because it's all yeah. about being engaged with life. Yeah, and as you said, just connection. Um, a couple of years ago at an event that we held, we had a, 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 uh, we had a sexologist speak there as well and she was brilliant and she was just saying it's so important that when you are feeling disconnected from your libido and if you have, I guess, an understanding that your libido extends further than just the bedroom, if you're feeling disconnected, it's really getting back to just noticing pleasure in your yeah. everyday life. The yeah. more pleasure you give yourself permission to have, you know, and it can be as simple as drinking a nice cup of tea from a cup that you really love. And mm. really surrendering to that pleasure, it's all connected to your libido. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is so important for women to know. And you mentioned that, you know, women can feel isolated and feel alone, like they're the only person feeling that disconnection. And I'm sure that's absolutely the case. And I think that there's also women who, when they do open up and they speak about that loss of, connection and loss of libido then they have friends reassure them 
but that's totally normal you know oh you've got kids now that's normal you know you've got too much on your plate don't worry about it but I've heard you say that not wanting sex or not desiring sex actually means something isn't right yeah yeah so it's yeah it's a bit of truth talk here yes it's we need to differentiate between common and normal or common and I don't use the word normal yes, too much. Yes, yes, you're I, so I right. The, I, like to, I like the word natural, like common and natural. So our bodies are primed to be sexual. We have, we have, you know, the clitoris is the only part of the body that's primed for pleasure. It has no, but there is no biological imperative to have a clitoris. It's, <laughs> it's there, it's there for pleasure. It's there, you know, and it, it does facilitate orgasm as well. So it's just like, yeah. <laughs> We've got all those nerve endings. So our body is made for receiving pleasure and, yeah, if you're not, if you're completely disconnected from that, if you're not ever thinking about sex, if you're not desiring sex, if when you're sexually stimulated in a way that has worked for you or does work for you and it's just not working for you, it could mean that there's something else going on. And um, if you're if you're happy for me to share, Kai, I can tell you. I can yes. let you few things that get in the way but um whenever we have a conversation it's like oh that's normal oh i know me too and we you know and we kind of shut that conversation down we don't get we don't get incentivized to get curious about elevator we kind of go oh that's normal we leave it there but it really is a flag that there could be there could be something else going on so a couple of things that i come across in that i've come across in working with women for the last 7 years are these ones first one is depletion and mamas go through it in particular Mamas are so depleted, nutritionally depleted, depleted of rest, um, depleted of, you know, other forms of joy, depleted from, you know, depleted from not actually. depleted across the board, isn't it? Across the board, right? And it's just, and, you know, your hormones are going through a massive transition. So I will say it is natural that you don't, that sexual interest is not top of the list during postpartum I we're always postpartum but I like to put it as the first 18 months or so you know after that hormones are kind of recalibrating weaning is has either happened or it is happening so that's where things start you know cycle menstrual cycles have returned all of that but that first 18 months you have to completely understand your body is prioritizing looking after the child so but that depletion if that depletion goes on after that 18 months that's going to have a massive impact on your libido because depletion signals to the body that you're in survival mode body just goes all right what can i do to get through today what have i got to attack what's coming at me like what what you know what armor have I got to put on today for what's coming and whenever our body goes into that survival mode either full-fledged or like I call it quasi survival mode then our body goes well there's no point in being sexual because we can't focus on that right now it's not safe for you to fall pregnant it's not safe for you to be sexually expressive because your body needs to focus on being on the attack and if you think about going into energy saving mode isn't it right yeah it's going going completely into energy preservation and that's why women can have gut issues when they're stressed and um a whole you know and a whole host of other things going on like poor immunity so depletion you've got to address depletion depletion can go hand in hand with um iron deficiencies like really low iron i've seen women and i've gone through it myself where our iron levels are rock bottom some women i've seen have zero iron circulating you cannot keep 
facing up to every day with no iron in your system. You need to get that. And it's really simple to correct and it's really easy to get checked out for that one. So get that, yeah, definitely get that looked at. Um, another big, big contributor to not wanting sex, not thinking about sex, not being interested, not feeling a lot of sensation is hormonal birth control. It's a, it's, it's a massive one. It, the reason why it happens is because whenever you're on hormonal birth control, you have synthetic hormones circulating in your system that aren't natural to our body. And it actually creates a new feedback loop in our body by saying, don't ovulate, don't create a nice thick lining in preparation for pregnancy. So we don't have the same amount of testosterone and estrogen circulating that we would if we weren't on hormonal birth control. So it's a massive, it's a massive contributor, and it's a it's a kind of contentious one, but it gives us food for thought if that is really working for us to have the most liberating sex life if we don't even want sex when we're on it. So that's another. Yeah, that's another cause. But just feeling stressed, overwhelming yourself, being busy, filling up your schedule, um, not being more in your head and less in your body or more in thought and less in feeling, That's all. that all contributes to not wanting sex because your partner might you know, try to initiate and you're just like, oh, I'm so far removed from that state right now. I can't receive anything from you. I can't be vulnerable. I can't surrender. I've got to, there's so much else I've got to do. There's so much else that needs my attention. So really what, you know, what you said about what that sexologist said at the event, it's, it's tried and true. How you treat your daily life will be reflected in your sex life. Mm, so important. And mm. I have to say that I just love <laughs> everything that you just touched on because I think all too often sometimes for women will think oh it's just a case of I need to feel better about my body or I need to go and buy some sexy underwear but that's just such surface level stuff and it's so important to get really really curious about what's going on and the fact that you mentioned how important it is to be aware of depletion Mm. is just critical because you know, it is tempting to want to run before you walk, but yeah. you need to walk and look at the basics. Yeah. And like you said, if we're in survival mode, then we really can't thrive. So focusing on those basics, making sure that you are at a great baseline level. And obviously everyday life has stresses and it has concerns and we've got things like bills and kids and relationships and all of that stuff that, it's not going to go away. So how do you suggest that your clients manage their everyday stress? Mm. Yeah, I love teaching clients to decompress. I, I like the word decompress or I sometimes alternate it with downregulating. I use those words rather than relaxation because relaxation is quite a historically triggering word for women. How many women have been told to just relax when they're stressed or when they're overwhelmed? And there is like, nothing more offensive. <laughs> nothing like says, you just relax. I'm so easy to just relax. So, so I use the words decompress and downregulate because I'm speaking directly to a woman's nervous system. And mark my words, nervous system rules libido. Your nervous system is always on the lookout for threats. It's just what it does because it wants to keep us in, in, you know, it wants to make sure that we stay alive. But um, we can actually step in. This is the really empowering part is we're not, we might not be able to choose, you know, bills or 
you know, other things that life just entails or sickness, but we can, you know, it's kind of a classic line. We can choose how we respond to them. And something I say to my clients is let's find out, let's source a way to be responsive rather than reactive because reactive, nothing good comes from us just being constantly reactive and doing everything on high alert. We get really, that is a recipe for depletion. So downregulating and decompressing is a matter of using the four pillars. The four pillars are breath, movement, touch and sound. And I love to add a little bit of heat in there as well. So one thing that we can do, and I'm a big fan of things that go for five minutes, by the way. I am, I am a high achiever who likes to generally move fast-ish. And so I get, I get what it's like to you know, to, to be like, oh man, do I have to do a half an hour of that thing or 45 minutes or even 20? So I like to do things on the fly. So one of my favorite things to do, and I did this last night because I had a, you know, a bit of a wave come through that was like, oh, I feel really uncomfortable right now. So I got my heat pack out and I lay it, I have a rectangular one, I lay it underneath my back just so it creates a really gentle arch in my back. What that does is it stretches out our psoas muscle, which is one of the muscles inside, deep inside our abdomen that gets activated when we go into survival mode. So doing that just creates a, a gentle bit of relaxation and sometimes I butterfly my legs and put the soles of my feet together. That's a really classic yin pose, so it's very, very feminine in nature. It can be tempting when we're, you know, when we're high achievers or maybe even perfectionists to just keep being in that kind of masculine approach of like being reactive and like getting shit done and compartmentalizing. All the doing, all the doing and denying ourselves the medicine of feeling and being. So doing something as simple as that, just going, all right, pause. I'm going to grab a heat pack. Heat is so medicinal to yin energy because we get cold and we freeze over when we get stressed and when we get overwhelmed. So adding that heat element is about shifting your energetics and just and and allowing yourself to come home into your body when it's so tempting to stay in your head. I know it. I, re- I know it through and through. It's like, oh, I've, I'm going to try and I'm frazzled. I've got to try and solve this problem. I've got to find some relief. No, what you need to do is get into your body. Stomp on the ground, stomp your feet on the ground, cry, like call your friend or DM them, whatever. Just express in some way through your body rather than staying in fetal position, in your head, with the thoughts, allowing them to spiral. We know that story. We all know that story. So let's, what we, the empowering thing that we can do is get into our bodies, breathe, grab a heat pack, go, ah, like just, just really make some sound. Sigh it out, like, like you know, yeah. I'm jiggling my body at the moment. Anything, like, shake it off, in the words of Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just anything that you can do to get into your body because what happens is your body then get your nervous system that then gets a message oh, it's safe to come down. If my if my owner is doing things through my body, I don't have to be on the lookout for threats anymore. I can actually wind it all down a bit. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I'm sat here just nodding along. It, <laughs> yeah, it makes complete sense. And it's something I've spoken a fair bit about on Instagram as well because the whole dance between the masculine and the feminine, I wish this was stuff that was taught you know, in high school or at least, you know, mandatory learning in your early 20s at the latest because 
a lot of a lot of us are walking around with such little awareness of it and it's something that I've only really started exploring in my 30s and understanding that we all have the feminine and the masculine within us and different situations in life call for us to operate from different spaces and I think a lot of women automatically think oh being a mom is super feminine and of course there is so much that is feminine about being a mom and being maternal but I feel like it pushes us into the masculine a lot as well because we're doing so much and we're the taskmaster and we're making sure shit gets done and we're cleaning and we're taking care of the kids and we're just doing and not being and the power of actually understanding that if you are feminine at your core you need to make space and like you said five minutes is plenty to, mm-hmm. you know at times to just be and it's that whole deep breathing and sighing it out and just reconnecting mm. yeah 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 so important. so important and you know that you use that word taskmaster which really resonates it's like we we can be masculine moms if that makes sense we can be exactly what you said we can be taskmasters and I find that when we're in that taskmaster mode, it kind of keeps that self-flagellation going and we get ourselves stuck in this loop and then that depletes us and then we get even more disconnected from the feminine. So anything you can do for five minutes to say, actually, no, I'm going to draw the line. I'm not going to be a taskmaster for five minutes. I'm not going to self-flagellate about some thing that I'm never, ever going to think about on my deathbed. <laughs> some little thing that I think is really, really important right now and I'm going to go. Let, I'm going to let that go and I'm going to come home into my body. That is the like your body is your home. It is it is always with you for this lifetime. So we need to befriend it. We need to get close to it. We need to listen to it. We need to serve it. And that is going to come into sex because if you can be more present with your body and what it's saying to you, then you can make much clearer decisions and you can make more intuitive decisions and you can follow your pleasure rather than trying to force your pleasure to just come out because you're asking it to when you've denied yourself that, you know, for the last Mm. week, month, year, years. Mm. So, yeah, so everything that we're saying, it's really, it's integral, it's really important. So important and just whilst we're on the topic of bodies I feel as though just from conversations I've had with different friends throughout the years and also just women online I feel as though there is a belief for some women that they think they have to look a certain way to be mm. traditionally sexy or to feel sexy yeah. but if they were to just surrender to enjoying sex and like we've spoken about having more pleasure in their life that would then likely spill into all areas of life, including appreciating their own body. And so I feel like sometimes it's kind of like the whole chicken and egg thing. (laughs) People think they have to be a certain way to feel a certain way. But if you flip your thinking and go, oh, maybe if I focus on feeling a certain way, I'll then in turn feel the side effects of, you know, Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You've hit the nail on the head. I want to reassure everyone that sexy does not look a particular way or being comfortable with your sexuality does not look a certain way at all. There is no prescription for looking sexual. Like that, it's absolute bullshit. 
And I'm going to say to you right now, as someone who knows a lot about female sexuality, I, you can people, people pick up on things that you can't necessarily pinpoint or put your finger on sometimes when you see an image or you see a video. But I just want to say when someone is truly confident or someone is truly comfortable or at ease or working in, like working in unison with their sexuality and their libido, it will just show no matter what they were. They could be wearing a hessian sack and you'd be, man, they've got something. They've got that magnetism. They've got that, they've got that, you know, they've got that energy. They've got that, um, they're projecting something and man, I want in on that. And it's not going to be because they're wearing lingerie. It's not going to be because they're wearing a swimsuit. It's not, or any of those, I don't know, old constructs of what is sexual and what isn't. It's, I promise you, it is an inside job, a completely inside job. And it, you will, you will, when you get in touch with your libido, um, you will, it will shine from the, from the inside to the outside. And it doesn't matter what you wear or how you present that because it will all be in alignment. And that is something intangible and intangible is very hot. It's like, Ooh, they've got something. What is that? (laughs) What is that thing that they've got? It's not, it is not what you wear or um, or how you look, I promise you. And if you start with that, um, you might end up, if you start from that point of like, what if I change the way I look? Yes, it can have an impact, but I would definitely, I'm a big advocate of work on the inside first because that will inform how you want the outside to look. Like don't start with the look and then go, all right, now how am I going to act or what do I value or what do I want to feel? Uh-uh. Like just start with the inside first and the outside will catch up and match in time. I love that. It definitely is an inside job. And before we hit record on today's conversation, you and I were just having a very quick chat and something that we mentioned was just touching on how women who identify as being introverted or perhaps feel uncomfortable surrounding the whole topic of sex and desire and libido and masturbation and everything like that, how can they get a little more comfortable? Because I definitely have women in my life who you can't even have a conversation with them surrounding these sorts of things. And there are so many different reasons why that might be, you know, yesterday Mm. in the office, I was playing some of your amazing content. And one of the women who works for me was saying that, she automatically feels like, no, 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 like it's too much. And then I was saying to her, oh, you definitely didn't grow up in a naked house. And I think that, you know, how <laughs> we're brought up, like I was, I was raised in a house that we could walk into the bathroom no matter who was in there and have a quick chat and grab whatever yeah. we needed. And, you know, I can remember my mum would never, like my dad, went to fast forward a sex scene once in a movie that we were all watching as a family and my mum was like no 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 like you're not fast forwarding that and then letting them watch violent scenes like you you let that play out yeah that just goes such a long way yeah go mum and even that comes out in my parenting now like I talk to my boys who I have twin boys that are six but they know about they don't know the ins and the outs of things like of you know everything but I'm very honest with them like they use the word testicles they understand that there's sperm they know 
in you know to the best of what they need to know right now what a period is like mm. the other day I said oh mommy's not feeling well and one of my boys said <laughs> do you have the period and um you know, I just think that <laughs> the way so that we cute. so cute <laughs> um the way that we talk about all of this with our children really can impact the way that they show up as adults and so this is a long-winded story of talking about some people are just uncomfortable having these conversations or listening to these conversations and yet they might be curious so Mm. how can you help you know I guess give them a little bit of permission Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah um I'm going to speak to those people listening today by saying, first of all, just pause, put one hand over your womb or uterus face and one hand on your heart and just say to yourself, I give myself permission to explore my sexuality. I give myself permission to be curious about sex and my libido. Just really, it starts with you. Like I can sit here all day and be your permission granter, which I'm more than happy to do, but it really is something that you need to say to yourself. You need to just two, like one minute of, I give myself permission to be curious. Great. It's a great, curiosity is a great place to start because curiosity says can still have a little bit of fear or anxiety or shyness or reservation or reluctance like but if in the end when you just start you know when you just start with curiosity it ends up trumping those other feeling states that are like no you shouldn't be looking at that or that's wrong or that's too much like watch out for your mind saying those things because they're they're just old stories that you've heard along the way um, to try and keep you demure, to try and keep you in your place, to try and keep you um, constrained in your own sexual exploration because female sexuality scares the shit out of a lot of people Like because it has no bounds. It is It has this unlimited potential to it. And that, you know, that scared a lot of people over the years. And, you know, we've received a lot of shitty messages, but now... You know, now is the point in time where you can take the power back and you can you can allow yourself to be curious, just curious. It's not like you don't have to go out there and make a big declaration and put it on social media like, I'm going to revolutionise my sex life. You don't have to do that. It's just a one declaration to yourself is all you need. And that's what I did for myself in 2012. I said, I'm going to make this year about, you know, I was studying sexology at the time and I said to myself, I'm going to make this year about learning about my, my, my inner sexual world just for me. And it was a massive year because I'm going to tell you right now, I loved my sexology degree, but ultimately it was a public health degree. It wasn't there to teach me about my pleasure. It was there to teach me about what um, circumstances and difficulties and challenges people are having out there. And so I took it upon myself to learn about my libido for me. And it started with a book. And, you know, back then podcasting wasn't as big, but for you it might start with this podcast and the next podcast and the next where you can just explore explore different topics in private and just listening and tuning in doesn't mean that you have to do those things that we suggest. It's just about planting seeds and starting to get comfortable with absorbing information about female sexuality, about libido, about our bodies and just making it your new normal and unraveling some of that old stuff that says it's wrong or taboo or shameful. Um, 
So yeah, so take the power back and just be be curious. Just if there's one word I could encourage you to use, it's curiosity. Just be curious and see where it goes and see how one thing needs leads to the next thing. And you find this person that talks about this and that leads you to that person and just just absorb and then one day when you're ready. I encourage you to activate that by either seeing someone like myself, a sex therapist, or going to an event or or doing a course, just something to really activate that learning so it doesn't just stay, you know, unattached, floating around like, oh, yeah, it's there, but I don't really use it. Like just, yeah, one day, just one day ensure that you shift it into some form of activation so that you're accountable and that you do see real change in your life. I love that. I think it's so important that we are aware of the lenses that we're looking through. So whether it is going, oh, I'm looking at sexuality through the lens of being a child of parents who don't want to have that conversation and just going, okay, now I'm going to look at it through a different lens and that lens Mm. is curiosity. Mm. And it doesn't matter where you are in terms of whether you're completely depleted and you feel as though you're so disconnected, being curious is an amazing place to start. But that's also a great place to start for those who might be listening and thinking, oh, you know what, I I have a pretty good sex life. Like I think about it often enough. I'm good here. I I feel as I'm having, you know, fine sex. It's all good. I don't really need to do this work. But being curious about what you can improve or what you can you know, improve is probably the wrong word, but what you can cultivate, I guess, mm, is the same for those word. women. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think even when you, like, you know, like you said, I think about it, I'm good, we're all good here, it's still, you can still, get, there's still something to gain from taking a moment to pause and reflect and to just check whether things being good is still working for you either as an individual or as a couple Um, because maybe things are good but they've plateaued for quite a while and your intimate life could do with a little bit of a shake-up or some of the pieces of your sex life could or how sex plays out could be rearranged just ever so gently so that you're not just doing something that you know really well and overlooking the potential for things to be a little bit more interesting or um, for you to be even a little bit more engaged with what's happening or to bring a little bit more fun in. Like it might be good and it might work and it might, uh, this is a terrible thing to say, it might do the job, but is that enough? Like is that is that the recipe for long-term sustainability, long-term interest, long-term satisfaction? Um, yeah, time to check in with yourself and check in with your partner. Like, how are we going? Like, are we in a routine? Are we attached to that routine of how things go? Like, is there a way that we could do things differently or mix things up or even just like to step, take a step back from sex? Are you relying on doing the same kind of date every time you do get some precious time together? And could you inject some novelty into that? because that could influence the sex that you have after that date to maybe be a little bit more thrilling because your heart rate's up because you've done something different or you've seen a different side to your partner or you've accessed a different part of your identity that you'd forgotten about. 
So, yeah, so even things being good, it's not saying, you know, I never want to, I never want women to think to always be in a striving mode. Like it should be more or it needs to be grander or anything like that. But just, but just check in with the plateauing. If, if something's plateaued for a while, um, is it sustainable for things to just stay that way for the next six, 12 months or 12 years? <laughs> and could yeah. you just, could you mix some stuff up and give things a bit of a shake up? Yeah, and I think all too often in life, because we do have stresses weighing down on us, it's often easier to turn to and more common, we won't use the word normal, but more common for people to go down the path of what has the least resistance surrounding it. So it might be going to the same places, which in turn also, you know, as, as we've mentioned, you know, sex and how we're showing up in life, it's so connected. So if we're always going to the same spot in life, if we're choosing the same meals, if we're doing the same thing day in, day out in life, then it's likely that we'll probably be doing the same thing day in, day out when it comes to sex as well. So injecting Mm. a little more variety into life might free up and give a little more permission to inject a bit more life and variety into sex as well. Yeah. For those women who are listening and who are in a partnership, you mentioned checking in with your partner. Now, I know you specifically work with women, but how often do you suggest women check in with their partner? Ah, okay. How often should women check in with their partner? I think once every three months or so is a good, um, you know, is a good, like a good sit down, a good talk about things, a good, um, you know, hash things out. How are we going? Um, because that three month mark, it's kind of like the end of a season. Like, how are we going? How are we, how are we traveling? How are you feeling? What are you curious about? What are you interested in? Because there might have, there might be some things that their partners, um, are restraining or holding off from saying because they're so hyper aware of how their female partner is or what she's going through or if she's navigating depletion so I think every couple of months is a good yeah a good benchmark to check in I don't want I don't want people to be constantly checking in because that can take some of the spark and the eroticism and the desire out. We don't want to be in constant conversation um, about how's the sex life going? Is it good? Like, what do you like? <laughs> because that can that can come from a place of anxiety. But I think if things are flowing well or good, then you can just check in every couple of months. How are we? How are you? What are you? What are you really interested in at the moment? What have you been fantasizing about lately? Can we incorporate that into our intimate life? Or where are the boundaries there? Or is there a safe way to explore that, either individually or or together? So, yeah. (laughs) I love that. And I think that that's really important, you know, like when it comes to working and everything like that, it's normal to sit down and have you know, I'm not saying that you need to have a structured meeting with your partner, but at least bringing some awareness to holding that space, like you said, to communicate safely, because as females, sometimes we can be hard for the man to read in terms of, you know, you know, know, in typical terms, but creating that space to sit down and go, okay, this is a really important connection that we have. This is intimacy. How can we you know, what are we doing well and what do you want to improve on and how are you feeling and just, yeah, checking in. I think that's really, really important. 
Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And um, I just wanted to say there's something that you said before. I think one of the biggest issues women are facing is that we're still expecting our partners to read our minds. We are still mm. expecting them to just know, um, you know, to just know what we like or how we want to be approached or what doesn't work for us. And women are, you know, what I'm talking to my clients about is about how they're staying silent or how they think that by now, because they've been together for two years, five years, 12 years and so on, that their partner should know. And it's like, well, maybe their partner is still approaching them the way that used to work five years ago and they, the, you know, she hasn't revealed to him that, yeah, I used to like that, but actually things have shifted for me. So that's another, that's another really, really, you know, there's a, a lot of gold in that one. It's just check that you're not, a, you're not fall, default into they should know what I like and what I don't like or, or they should know how to work out my pleasure for me. Just, just be mindful of that because it takes the ownership out of the equation and you're not as empowered in that in that position. So take the power back and reveal, share with them, reveal to them what is and isn't working or what could work for you a lot better so that they're informed and not just doing the same thing, hoping to get a different result. That's what so many men are doing, um, sorry, in a hetero, uh, heterosexual dynamic is so many men are doing the same thing, like crossing their fingers going, maybe this time will be the time that she responds really favorably to it. And it's just because they don't know what else to do. So we have to, inf we have to tell them, we have to share with them, hey, the reason why that doesn't work is because I'm, I really can't focus about sex when you come to me at this point in the day or in this environment or in this context. It just, I just cannot just suddenly drop into that mode. But if you did this, I'd probably be more curious or interested or I'd probably say yes. So, yeah. yeah, watch out for the mind reading. <laughs> yes, it's, not it's expecting them to read our mind. Yeah. And also being aware of the information that we are giving our partner because, and I know that you've spoken about this and I would love you to share your opinions and your thoughts on this, but often women are choosing to fake having an orgasm because mm. They might feel like they're having sex out of duty, obligation, they're disconnected, they don't want to offend their partner, they just want to get it over with, They, whatever it is. But if the information that we're sending our partner is, well, you did a great job, look, I just came, but you didn't actually, you're really doing not just them a disservice, but you a disservice as well. Mm. Most definitely, yeah. Faking it, um, uh, yeah, faking it is another slippery slope um, because it actually, uh, I just want to put a, I'm going to put a different spin on it first, but when um, I went on Triple J a couple of months ago and talked about faking orgasm and when I, when I really, you know, delved deep and looked into the literature around it and what the studies are saying about faking orgasm, the common theme was for women who fake orgasm was that, they just they just wanted to validate their partner like they wanted they they didn't do it it doesn't you, you don't fake orgasm from a malicious place it's rare that women do it from a malicious place like a you know you know I'll show no, you I don't but think they, any, 
Yeah, so I don't it. think anyone would do that from you a know, malicious place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unless it's something that you want to throw back in their face later on, like, well, I faked it the whole time. But, yeah, you don't do it to be malicious, but it does It does unfortunately do a disservice. Um, when you go into sex and you're, main, you're mainly worried and preoccupied with protecting your partner's feelings, you are immediately disconnected from your pleasure because all of the energy, just like that quasi-survival mode that we talked about earlier on in the podcast, your, all of your energy is going into, so, into that self-preservation and making sure that they're okay, which makes you worried and makes you become more of a caretaker in the sexual dynamic. It's almost self-sacrifice more yeah. so than self-preservation, isn't it? Because yeah. you're, you're not preserving yourself. You're worried about preserving their ego or their or the connection that you have or whatever it is. But, yeah, you're putting yourself back in that nurturer role and not the lover yeah. role. That's right. That's right. So sex is inherently self-centered and we just have to come to accept that. We don't go into sex, like we aren't bi biologically hardwired to have sex in order to make sure everyone else is comfortable. That's not what sex is about. Sex is about what can I get from this? What can I feel? What can I experience? What can what 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 orgasmic sensation can I feel? That's what sex is about. So whenever we go into that that mode of worrying about someone else, then, yeah, then it's going to make you more disconnected from your pleasure, which makes you more disconnected from your orgasm. So watch out for that cycle. It's, it's, uh, it's up to you to intercept it. And the big antidote that women need for that one is, well, there's a couple of antidotes. The first thing is you need to be okay with experiencing pleasure, or at least like I give myself permission to experience pleasure in sex, because that's what that says to me is, I'm not worthy of experiencing pleasure. I am just going to do a do a, a fake version of it to to hurry things up or to um, to um, look a certain way. That's not pleasure. Um, the other the other bit the other antidote women need is the power of time. You have you can take your time in sex. If you are faking orgasm because you feel like it's taking too long then you're never, ever going to actually reach your orgasmic potential. You're never going to reach that orgasm because you keep doing the same thing and the same thing will keep playing out. So take a bit more time. Be okay with receiving attention and adoration. Um, if you're in a heterosexual dynamic, men, mature men in their masculine want to witness you in your pleasure and that's a beautiful thing when we allow it to happen. But when we don't allow it to happen, we resort to all of the fake insincere stuff and they're not able to fully feel us when we do that and we're not able to fully feel our pleasure. So it's up to you to slow things down a bit, be okay with the attention and just start to get used to it. You're so worthy of it and they want to give it to you. Men are like dying to worship us. They want to worship us but we don't let them. <laughs> so let's start letting our, you know, letting our men or our, or our female partners that want to step into that masculine space in sex or whatever gender they are, just let them, allow them to adore you and worship you and you're going to be far more likely to reach your orgasm that way because you can surrender, you can get out of your head and you can just be so present with your sensation. And so it's just so important to, like you said, give yourself permission but put yourself on the priority list just full stop you know the priority list in life but the priority list when it comes to having sex as well mm. yep yep it's really so important, important. 
it's a measure of your health. It is your libido is a measure of your health. It's 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 an integral part of being in your own version of health. I'm not going to tell you what health is. You determine that. Every individual determines that. But it is one of the elements of health. Is it's not just nutrition and rest and exercise. Um, um, although those things are very important, I'm not downplaying them, but your sex life and your sexual expression um, actually boosts all of those things because your nervous system is in a much better state, you're more receptive, you're more, in, you're more in flow when you allow yourself to be sexual and to explore that. And that's a very magnetic, attractive, gorgeous you know, place to be. And it's all just so connected. It's so mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm. And I could honestly speak with you for hours <laughs> just listening to you talk. I'm like, and what about this? And what about that? And I was already <laughs> thinking, I'm going to have to have another chat with you on the yeah. podcast because you're so <laughs> wonderful to speak with. But I am mindful of your time. So the last question I wanted to ask you before we finish off with some rapid fire questions is surrounding a word that you've mentioned a couple of times now and that word is fun it's a topic that's been on my mind a lot lately to the point that a couple of weeks ago I sent a group text message to every woman in my phone I kid you not saying hey (laughs) this is fun's been on my mind and I would just love to know what you do for fun and how often you do it and if you can't think of anything say pass and 99% of the responses were a pass from women and a lot. And then the other people that did respond with things, it was kind of a bit of a blurry line between just self-care and fun and also things that only happen once in a freaking blue moon, like fun could be traveling, you know, or like it was just things that you aren't doing every day. There was only one person um, who shall remain nameless in my phone who came back with a long list of fun things and I oh. thought that was amazing and she doesn't have she does, full disclaimer she hasn't got a partner and she hasn't got kids and she is very content and she she knows what what's up for herself but yeah. it made me so sad to think that as women it does seem to be really common that we lose touch with fun or that we blur with things like oh it's fun to get a haircut or it's you know you know what I mean like it's fun to have a bubble bath and those things are nice (laughs) but are they really fun so my question for you is Lauren White what do you do (laughs) for fun and how often do you do it yeah yeah are you I'm gonna, gonna say sex <laughs> yeah 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 I'm definitely oh well yes yes I'm gonna say, yes I'm gonna say sex so um I talk about this in my book permission actually I say I say the chapter is um is, is actually called permission to be serious and I'm gonna throw a little I'm gonna do a little, some, say something a little bit left field here but we need to take fun seriously before we can have fun sometimes. I know that sounds really, really weird and a little bit like, wait a minute. Intuitive. <laughs> Is that an oxymoron? But we need to, sometimes we just like throw the word fun out there, but we're so detached from it that even if we put this in like this kind of synthetic situation in front of us, like sex or 
like watching something funny or a few other things I'm going to mention in a minute, um, we can just feel like, uh-huh, like, oh, I'm meant to be having fun, but I'm not actually having fun. So take it so seriously that you need to have fun. Really weird twist, I know, but um, I actually needed to do this for myself a few years ago. I'm like, I have to take all of this so seriously and then I can have fun. Like I had to, years ago, I had to take my libido seriously so that I could have fun. I had to learn about some of the shadow side. I had to learn about some of the fear. I had to learn about, I had to do some of the hard work and the oh, the deep excavation. And I had to bring some stuff out because then I could have fun. I couldn't just chuck fun on top of pain if that makes any sense so sometimes you just have to treat fun a little bit differently but um but once we've done that and doesn't have to be long or protracted or you know like I said deep work for me it needed to be deep but it doesn't have to be for you but fun for me is a certain vibration and um for me laughter is one of the most is one of my instant gateways to fun like I I I laugh as much as I can because it 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 gives my body the message that it's safe to be in a really sweet flow state and it means that I whenever I laugh I feel engaged with life or I feel connected to the person that I'm talking to. So sometimes I just start laughing like a small laugh, but I allow it or I facilitate it getting a little bit bigger maybe than it needs to be because it just feels bloody good it feels good to laugh for me it feels it feels a bit like an orgasm it's very wholehearted pleasure yeah pleasure I love it I love laughing and I'll never forget one time I was in the fruit market (laughs) fruit and veg market and my name my old neighbor walked up and said I knew you were here because I could hear you laughing and I thought (laughs) fuck (laughs) it's my trademark yeah yeah, it's my trademark so I love yeah I love laughing because it feels like it feels like fun to me it's actually fun but it means like I'm having fun as well um my other go-to for fun is because I'm not a naturally spontaneous person so I'm a bit more of a planner so for me sometimes I do need to plan my fun a little bit but um for example Um, I just like to, one thing I can do spontaneously is dance and I'll put on music that feels fun to me so that I can have fun on my own and just feel that joy and that pleasure for myself, by myself. And I feel connected to the world, even though no one knows what I'm doing or no one can see me or witness me. It just feels like pure fun to me. And when it comes to the bedroom, sometimes something that um, my husband and I have gotten in the habit of saying is at the end is saying, that was fun. Like, oh, that was really fun. And it comes, it's very, it's very organic. I don't mean it like a robotic way, like that was fun. <laughs> like, that was so say, much fun. <laughs> like, like, that was cool. Like, that was fun. And, and it's almost like whenever we say that word fun, it anchors it in as a fun experience. It doesn't, it's all, it's yeah. like the fun doesn't just dissipate and goes out into the ether. It's like, like when we use the word fun, it's like pff, we've just created a new memory or we've just solidified that experience. That recognition, isn't it? Recognition and it. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're my tips for fun. Is like say fun is happening or say to yourself this is fun or that was fun. Like say it and anchor it into your body so that you have a measure of what fun is for you. Um, yeah, I could, yeah, I could. I could go on, but that's that's my that's my quick start version to fun. Take it seriously, and then you can have more fun. 
I love that. That is so helpful. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, last, I just wanted to end with a couple of quick rapid fire questions. So just say the first thing that pops into your mind and it's just a nice little little note to end on, I think, in a way for our community to get to know you as a person a little bit more. So firstly, what is your go-to cafe order? Like what's your standard coffee or your standard <laughs> order? I love this question. I'm a long black gal, a small long black, please. I like it straight up, hot, and no, all killer, no filler. <laughs> yeah, no fuss. Got it. Not like mine. <laughs> I won't share mine. Okay. Um, sweet or savory? Savory. In one word, describe your personal style or your daily uniform. Mm, jumpsuit. Love that. Love a onesie. Uh, What is your worst habit? Not trusting, not trusting myself, like slipping into not trusting and, yeah, and doubt. Slipping into not trusting and doubt and it's always unnecessary and it never takes me anywhere good. So, yeah, still still working on that one. Totally human. (laughs) Totally human. Okay, and what is your best habit? Consistency, integrity, uh, fight the fire, the fire in my belly. Just keep showing up, keep chipping away, keep being hungry. Yeah, they all kind of yeah. feel like they fit in together. I find it hard to use one word, but very consistent. <laughs> I love that. And what keeps you in alignment? Oh. Coming home into my body, coming home into my values and coming home into what is true for me and allowing what everyone else thinks to fall away. Powerful. Mm. And last, what are some words that you live by or your all-time favourite quote? Ah, uh, if... It's a it's a share quote, and I feel like I'm going to misquote it. But if you Google it, it'll Go come on. correctly. Okay, okay, okay. Um, misquote. Okay, okay. If you're not willing to look foolish, then you're never going to be great. And I love that I love because that. Yeah. because when I work with women, they are so fucking scared of making mistakes and looking foolish, and they use the word silly. I don't want to look silly, and it's like, oh well. We've got to risk being silly and looking foolish to get to our truth and our pleasure and all of those things that we've talked about today. It's just, it is the nature of things. For as long as we are restrained and hold it in and um, aren't willing to take any risks, nothing is going to change. So fuck yeah for looking foolish. It's, uh, it's good libido medicine. <laughs> and it biscuit gets for the biscuit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true what you say. And I think that that whole fear of looking silly, um, a lot of it comes from, you know, in my own experience, and I could be way off the mark as I often am, but when we're so wound up, and we feel as though we've got to be in control all the time, it can feel like such a foreign concept to not be in control and to be allowed Mm. to be silly. Mm. So I love that that's your favourite. That is amazing. Well, Lauren, you are an absolute joy to speak to. (laughs) Where can our community connect with you? How can they find out more about you? 
Yeah, my website is my portal. It's my baby. It's my place that I can be completely uncensored because social media does not like the word SEX. So please visit my website as your first port of call. It's laurenwhite.com.au and I have a free masterclass up there for you to watch to start getting more comfortable considering everything that we've talked talked about today and feeling more confident i would love you to watch that and then you can and when you watch that you can access a free down regulating video where i show you exactly what i do in and out of the bedroom um, if you like social media then instagram is personally my favorite platform and um, i've got the same handle on instagram and facebook and it's lauren white au so come say awesome. hi <laughs> Lauren's got some really great stuff on her Instagram so definitely jump over and click follow I know that lots of women who are listening will be straight there <laughs> and you also have your book permission as well don't you yes 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 so permission is it's your gateway to start giving yourself permission through the medicine of alignment and ownership and sovereignty and starting to explore your own libido on your own terms and showing up in sex as you are rather than trying to be someone that you're not it's all about being real being in alignment being authentic and it's a, a that book the book permission has cracked so many women wide open and it's just really hits home so please if that's if you're a if you're a bookworm like me then you're gonna love it so yeah grab Amazing. it i'm gonna go and grab it thank you <laughs> so much for the important work that you're doing and also for making time in your day to speak with us I really, really appreciate it. And all of those those details will be in the show notes so that women can find you. Wonderful. Thanks, Kelly. Loved it. Loved it. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 